This podcast is made possible in part by patrons like you. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash binge movies. Something big is coming to McDonald's. Something of such enormous proportions. It could only be called the Jurassic Park Extra Value Meal. Okay. Let's see! An enormously juicy triple cheeseburger with fries and a medium drink in one of six free Jurassic Park collector cups. The Jurassic Park Extra Value Meal. A dino-sized value for a dino-sized appetite. Hey, where's mine? What you want is what you get at McDonald's today. If you sat down and wanted to be very technical about it and you um, broke down essentially a formula for all the reasons why the original Jurassic Park worked as a blockbuster entertainment in 1993 and why it has preserved itself over the years, why it has persisted as being a all-time classic film, it's all going to be script-level sort of stuff. You're gonna, you have to break it down on a script level. And you have to be able to, to understand that the movie really took its time establishing character, characterization, building its world, building in, in sense of internal logic. Is it far-fetched? Is it science fiction? Yes. But is it coherent within itself? Yes, it is. And we get all of these very smartly written scenes of subtle characterization for absolutely everybody involved. Everybody involved in the first Jurassic Park is a meaningful character. You can, if you are listening to this podcast, you can quote a line from every single character. Every single character. Think about that. In the movie. Whether it be the attorney, whether it be uh, 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 the big game hunter. I don't even have to say their names. And you can immediately picture them in your head. And you can immediately say a line. Whether it be the IT guy. I know all their names. But I'm proving the point here. Whether it be the boy or the girl. Whether it be Malcolm. Well, I just said his name. But, you know, the chaostician. Whether it be the paleontologist. Whatever the heck. Laura Dern is, um, you can you, you can spout off entire scenes, and each of those scenes and each of those lines of dialogue creates and reinforces an image in your mind of who those characters are, and they are distinct from one another. They have distinct personalities and distinct ideas and distinct preferences. And all of that happens in the context of a theme park run amok with dinosaurs. Okay? All that happens with screaming and shrieking and bloodletting and terror and raptors and T-Rexes and, you know, monsters and da 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 right? No movie since the initial Jurassic Park in this series has been able to recapture that. Some have tried. Most have failed. This movie, Dominion, doesn't even try. I will give you a non-spoiler example of something that happens in this movie that happens in the beginning, and it is the way that this film is done, written, shot, edited from beginning to end. I'll give you an example. This is non-spoiler stuff. If you've seen the trailer, you know Dr. Alan Grant returns. Don't expect him to say or do very much in this film, by the way. But he's in it. And he... He's introduced through an Indiana Jones-style glory shot. If you know what a glory shot is, you know what I'm talking about, right? The camera's low, and it's basically, you know, the sun's above him. He's down in this 
archaeological dig and it's all ma magic hour, digital magic hours for stuff. And it's the way that you shoot a hero. It's a hero shot. And you, it's the return of a beloved character. And they all have their moments like that, right? They're usually shot from behind, all the old timers. They're shot from behind and shot low or shot in a way that, that really is like, it basically lets you kind of drink it in, man, for a couple of seconds or longer. So Grant gets that. And then he's at this dig site. They've learned nothing since 1993, by the way, because they're uncovering an entire dinosaur again. It's not how paleontology works. But anyway, so or archaeology or anything like that. So anyway, they're uncovering an entire dinosaur. And all of this happens in about 15 to 20 seconds. Grant shows up. You get the hero shot. You see they're taking a dinosaur. There's teenagers who are around him. They're all on their cell phones. And he does not interact with them whatsoever. Cut, cut to his voice off camera doing a what seems like the middle or end of a monologue. So there had to be dialogue before it. But we skipped all that. Then him just saying, why do we dig? We dig because digging is science and science is the truth. Or science leads us to the truth. Or something like that. And without even giving it a beat, without giving a reaction without any engagement of him with anybody else who's in this scene with him, hard cut to somebody at the top of the dig going, Dr. Grant, I think you're going to want to see this. Hard cut to him meeting Sattler. Hard cut to them on a plane. Hard cut to them on a helicopter. Hard cut to them in the middle of whatever this plot is. And this all, it, it happens just like this, where what it feels like is it feels like actual scenes of real dialogue and motivation and characterization were filmed, and they cut all of it out. They reduced it down to basically the minimum. This goes to something. We need a name for it, but it's, it's the Lady Wan theory, or theorem, where she, she has come up with this, and I think it's brilliant, where she says, modern movies now, they have this sort of like visual shorthand they use, where they, where they basically create a scene, and it's, it's a truncated version of something that a good writer would write. It's, it's like a stem, right? It's, a little, it's not a scene, it's a nub. It's a scenette. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a scenarello or something. Uh, it, it's, it's this tiny little nub of a, of a vestigial scene of actual characterization. And it's an amputated scene. <laughs> and... The characters get about two or three lines out, if that, or two or three words out in some cases. And then the movie kind of basically has this tone of like, well, you've seen a movie before. You get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we just cut to something else. That is this on steroids. They're, for the few characters that get quote-unquote characterization, that's it. That's it. Every scene is basically like, well, yeah, you've seen Jurassic Park, right? You know what this is, right? You, you, you know, you've seen monster movies before, right? Yeah, 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 that's what this is. Okay, on to the next thing. And we just, we're just burning through scenes of just one or two lines, one or two words in some cases. By the way, not good lines. And then off to something else. It's bizarre. And because of this, I have to think, whether it be the editing or whether it be the writing, I'm not quite sure. I think it's a combination of both. 
I, I tweeted this, and I truly believe it, after the last few iterations of stuff he's written. I think Colin Trevorrow is the worst, one of the worst American screenwriters today. It is staggering how bad of a writer he is. And it's staggering. When you get to a certain iteration of reboot, my problem with them is they feel like fan fiction. When you watch Creed, Creed does not feel like fan fiction. It feels like somebody who loved the Rocky series decided to tell a story in that world. Despite what anybody else says, if anybody gives it actually a fair chance, which Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is not in the same tier as Creed, not at all, but it's about a tier below. Watch Ghostbusters Afterlife, somebody who loves Ghostbusters, wanted to tell a story in the world of Ghostbusters. Tell their own story in the world of Ghostbusters. Top Gun Maverick. Somebody wanted to tell a story in the world of Top Gun and the world of Maverick. This is pure, unadulterated fan fiction. It is also lame. It is half-assed. It is half-hearted. It is boring. It is too loud. It is too long. It is not engaging. And it has some of the worst visual effects of the series. Now, I'm not going to tell you I hated it because I didn't. Because my, my expectations were so low going into this. Because I think the second one, Fallen Kingdom or whatever, is one of the worst movies, big budget movies ever made. I think Jurassic World is fun, if not masturbatory. But also, I think it does not hold up at all whatsoever for repeat viewing. This movie is like the most meaningless creation of modern IP I've seen in some time. We've been on a great stretch of IP adaptations and reboots and legacy sequels and soft reboots. Where they've actually been pretty darn good. Some of them even great. So you knew a stinker had to come along. And folks, this is it. You know. This thing's getting trashed. It's got terrible reviews. Um, everybody's right. They're all right. All the critics are right. This is bad. I don't know that it's worse than, than Fallen Kingdom. I really don't know that it is. Because Fallen Kingdom has all of these like portents of seriousness and trying to establish all this sort of stuff. This movie basically has none of that. Now, I have some positive things to say about it. But I can't say a positive without saying a negative, And here's why. There's, there's a couple of set pieces in this movie. Uh, in particular, the, th the third act. I think the first act is bad. I think the second act is atrocious. And I think the third act is passable, ironically. Um, there's some stuff that happens in the film, some set pieces, that are actually really well done. And when it's characters on practical sets, and some of the practical production design of this movie is really, really good. It's really good. So whoever worked on that did a great job. When it's real people on practical sets with other real people interacting with practical dinosaur effects, there's some actually 
interesting, I don't want to say captivating, but interesting, well-done set pieces. About two-thirds of them are handicapped by something in them or something at the end of them that is a lame, lame, half-hearted callback. A lame half-hearted callback to Jurassic Park. A lame half-hearted callback to a Jurassic Park meme. A lame half-hearted callback to just... It, it, it's... Remember the thing from this other thing you saw? Well, there it is. That's all I'm going to say. The scenes that don't have lame callbacks in them, that set pieces, are overly done in a digital way. I'm not sure Bryce Dallas Howard was on set with anybody at all, ever, for this movie. That's what it feels like. It, it's some of the worst green screens, some of the worst dinosaur CGI. It is bad. It is staggeringly bad. So there are no consequences. There is no. There are no stakes because with those scenes, nothing feels real or tactical or, or uh, uh, um, not tactical, but uh, 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 practical or. Um, Oh, uh, you know the word I'm looking for. Uh, it just—it doesn't feel like you can touch it. It doesn't feel like there's any texture to any of it. It's not the word that just escaped me. It's not tactical, but it's, you know what I'm trying to say. Just scream at your phone. Okay, thank you. The problem with the other uh, scenes that then are not done completely digitally or don't look like shit is that the good CGI action set pieces, I say good, the, the, the CGI, predominantly CGI action set pieces that look good or are passable, um, there, there are no stakes because there's no characters. There's no characterization. It's like, you've seen Jurassic World. Here they are. You've seen Jurassic Park. Here they are. Here these people are. Now they're doing this now, and they did that, now they're doing this. And there's no reason, there's no explanation, and the movie spends so much of its time in its second act giving us explanations for things that don't need explanations or that are ludicrous or stupid, that instead of actually giving us explanations for our characters and our motivations, which is where the money would have been at. And I'll give you an example, again, non-spoilers, if you've seen a trailer, there's a pilot character. I almost just want to call her Baloo because she she is flying a near-perfect CGI replica of Baloo's plane and tailspin. I mean, it had to be on purpose. There's a bunch of Indiana Jones homages in here. I, is there a tailspin homage in here? I, I, I could believe it. I mean, you look at it, it's like, oh, my God, this, this character is Baloo from Tailspin. Like, through and through. I can't tell you her real name. She might have said it, but she has, she literally appears on screen and then is a character from that point forward. Why does she do what she does or not do what she doesn't do? No clue. And she's just part of the gang. They don't even bother to give her a scene. They don't even bother to give her a scene of any kind of 
here's what's emotionally at stake for her in the movie. Here's this. They pay lip service with Bryce Dallas Howard to this idea of motherhood or responsibility or something. Like there's two plot lines with her. There's no point whatsoever, either one of them. None of the actions that take place in this movie have anything to do with whatever she says that she's feeling or wherever her character is. Uh, in particular, the Jurassic World folks basically exist to go from one ridiculous action sequence to the next. I mean, you know, you get out of one fiery wreckage and then onto a rocket ship to the moon that explodes. Like, like that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just... it's it, If you could build a movie in a lab, and I don't mean this as a pun, but if you could design a movie in a lab to not work, to not mean anything, that this is what you would come up with. I, I can't even be angry at it, because there's not, there's not enough there to be upset about. There's nothing here. It's hours and hours of your life and it doesn't none of it means anything i'm at you know nearly 17 minutes of this and I, it's like i guess i'll get into spoilers i'll give you a break here and i'll come back and i'll give you in the spoilers there's not much to spoil if you if you know the gist of these movies i'm not even frustrated by it. i will say this i think that there is a version of this movie that is at the very least a decently entertaining action-adventure film. It's not the one we got, but I could, I, I could see a version of this story and the returning legacy characters um, who are fine, okay? I don't feel like they were mishandled or misused, but they weren't, their potential wasn't maximized either. It was just okay. It's just, uh, it, they're not used offensively, my estimation, which I guess is the, a plus of the film. They didn't ruin the characters. But boy, if they're not trying to go back in time and be like, this Lockwood, he was there all along. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Attenborough died. He needed another old man with a cane with amber on it. He made up this fucking character and he got into this whole clone bullshit. And if, that, if, if all the clone stuff, and this is mild spoilers, if you're like, man, I fucking hated that clone shit in Fallen Kingdom, whoa, buddy, hold on to your horses. Um, yeah, so, is it, but I think that there is, there are elements of the plot that would make a decent enough premise that if they had a movie that spent time reestablishing characters, building characterization, motivation, so forth and so on, giving us a sense of scale, stakes, all the basic things that entertainment should have, and then uh, put us back into the world of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, whatever this is, then um, it could be a fun adventure movie with some thrills and some chills and some good characters. Not going to hold a candle to the original, but a good, you know, sixth entry, basically. And maybe the could have ended up, the bar is low, with the second or third best movie or entry in the franchise. And instead, if this isn't the worst, it's the second to least. It's the second to worst. I just, I haven't decided. Um, I think Fallen Kingdom is worse in some ways because it's just so stupid and so self-important. 
And this movie is barely even trying to be important unto itself. So it's kind of hard to be mad at it because it's like, oh, you guys don't care anymore. Okay. Yeah, this is it's it's a very half-hearted attempt for the film. So um, I give you my score, and I'll get into spoilers for the instant reactions. I'm I'm now getting into using the letterbox system just for instant reactions. It's a little bit easier than using the ten point system we use for the show for our ranking episodes. So um, letterbox uses a five. They do allow halves. I put it about a two. I put it at a two. I think that's fair. Maybe you can convince me to bump it up to a 2.5, but nothing beyond that. It's about a two. I'll rest at that. I'll say it's a two out of five. Did you see it in theaters? No. No, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, gas prices, inflation, money, it's tight. People are struggling. Don't waste your time. It'll be on streaming before you know it. It'll be on It'll be on Peacock probably within 45 days. Just wait. That's just where I'm at with it. Just wait. Go see Top Gun again, or go see that if you haven't seen it. That's a movie worth your time. You know, I didn't do an instant reaction for Top Gun because some things are just for you. But let me say something about Top Gun in comparison to this movie. The entire time, the entire duration of Top Gun, I felt a tangible sense of danger and was on the edge of my seat. No matter what they did or how monstrously they portrayed the dinosaurs in this film, I never had a sense of any kind of danger. Barring one scene that I think is awesome and one of the best scenes in the franchise. Doesn't be anything in the second film, but I thought there's a scene in this that I thought was. Minus one element was fucking great. I loved it. I thought it was, it was it was well directed. It was well staged. By the way, it was almost all practical. Go figure. Okay, those are my non-spoiler thoughts. I'm now going to get into very briefly some spoilers and then wrap this thing up. Now, of course, before I let you go, if you want these instant reactions even more instantaneously, join our patrons, an ever-growing army of patrons. Thank you, patrons over at patreon.com slash binge movies. This stuff is not possible without them. As I record this, I'm recording with the cheapest earbuds I have because my expensive headphones died. I'm hoping it's just the cord, but died right before recording last night. So I, yeah, I'm always doing podcast work, and uh, there's wear and tear to all the equipment that I use, and it's patrons. Help me set a little bit of money aside to cover the initial cost of doing the podcast and also have a little bit of money to subsidize replacements so I can have quality equipment to give to you the best show I possibly can. So thank you, patrons. Uh, without you, I'd have to quit. So I thank you every month for your support. And uh, in return, you get exclusive stuff and stuff quicker than anybody else and a lot of say-so over the show and, and more and more benefits as we expand this. So. Go to patreon.com slash binge movies. Now, spoilers. Okay, um, this entire movie is about genetically modified hybrid grasshoppers that are way too big. There's a scene, I'm not joking, there's a scene on a farm with giant mutant grasshoppers. 
And it's very quick, and it's very poorly done, and it's all CGI, and it's very stakeless. But for about three seconds, I was like, we, if really, we, we need movies like this again. We need, and maybe they're not giant mutant grasshoppers or whatever, but we need critters. We need tremors. We need a lot more just sort of fun, high concept, slight monster movies. Somewhere between arachnophobia, tremors, and critters. That's the sort of shit we need. And I would much rather watch whatever the fuck that movie is than the movie that I was watching here. I was very tempted, not out of disgust, not out of anger, but of sheer boredom, to just walk out of the theater. I, 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 this movie, I saw it early in the afternoon, folks, and it made me sleepy. Because nothing matters. Nothing matters. What do grasshoppers have to do with dinosaurs? Well, do you remember when Dennis Nedry was meeting with that guy down in Costa Rica, and he was like, I got Dodson here! Dodson! Well, that's who the main antagonist of the film is, Lewis Dodson. It's not the same actor because the original actor was convicted, I think, in 2016 of uh, child sexual abuse or sexual assault. Uh, child pornography, one of those things, so he has been put away. But it's basically, if you could reimagine Dotson as uh, Steve Jobs, that's who this guy is. And somewhere in the Arctic or somewhere, I don't really know, but somewhere where it snows, they have a dinosaur sanctuary, but where they're also using DNA modification to create grasshoppers who will eat all of the world's food other than unless it's genetically modified seed that's also owned by Biosyn. Um Ellie Sattler is investigating this. She catches a word of what's going on through Ian Malcolm, who is a on-campus philosopher at the Dinosaur Sanctuary slash think tank slash futurist colony in the middle of the Arctic or something. I, I, I don't know. Um... Dinosaurs are captured in the wild and are shipped there to live, but they've got chips in their brains where the people can control their uh, herd movements. She goes to get Alan Grant, who is a paleontologist, to get him to study a giant grasshopper. And he's like, this really isn't my field. And she's like, you got to go with me because I got to break into this lab and get some DNA off these grasshoppers. I'm not joking. And saying out loud, it seems really dumb. Uh, I got to get some DNA off these grasshoppers, and I need a witness, and you're more credible than I am. Based on what, by the way? Based on what? Because the movie tells us the entire time that after, essentially, Jurassic Park 3, Grant was like, fuck this, and just, really after the first Jurassic Park, because we see him in Jurassic Park 3, he just stayed doing what he was doing. And since there's no funding anymore, since now actual dinosaurs are walking the planet, he funds the dig site through tourists. You never see a single tourist, folks. I'm guessing the two teenagers who are on their cell phone are tourists. But remember at the beginning of the original Jurassic Park, where it seemed like some of those people were tourists or were like a, 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 a class trip of some kind, where the kid from Nightmare on Elm Street, he talked about getting gutted, right? He scared the kid. Remember that? 
Remember how it took all that time to establish everything you need to know about Ellie and, and uh, Grant? Just all right there. Remember that? This movie's got none of that, folks. Not any of that. Um, that's it. And so they go, and then things run them up. And then at the same time, Claire and uh, Chris Pratt, whatever the fuck, Evan, or whatever his name is, Ethan, Evan, whatever, whatever his name is, um, uh, they're raising that clone girl from the other movie, and now she's a 14-year-old, like, teenage, like, fuck you, I can do what I want to do, I'm not a real person, I'm a clone, uh, you know, attitude, and then she gets caught by smugglers, and then they go to the Middle East, they go to Malta, they have this, like, Indiana Jones meets Jason Bourne meets Mission Impossible meets James Bond kind of stuff, and that's where it goes to absolute shit for a very long period of time. And then it all, all of these people end up converging into this clandestine biosyn facility and then grasshoppers and dinosaurs and monsters ensue. And that's basically it. Those are your spoilers. Um, remember the Barbasol can? How did anybody ever find that? I don't know. But Dotson did. And he's got it. Does it factor in the movie at all? It certainly does not. But it's there for you to look at. Whatever. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know how to begin to describe it. Um, I don't know. The old cast is better served than the new cast, but they're not served very much. That's all I really have to say about it. So, yeah. Uh, two out of ten, or two out of five. Not very good. Stream it. Fast forward to the boring parts. Save yourself a trip to the poorhouse or the ICU. <laughs> I don't, you know, what, what else do you say? It's kind of a grim way to end this, but those are my real thoughts. Just don't go to the theater. Don't see this. See Top Gun instead. I know this thing is probably going to gross about a billion dollars, but it's just, it shouldn't. It should not. Please stop making these. Okay, those are my thoughts. I want to know yours. Comment below in this instant reaction, either on our Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies, or on Twitter, at binge movies. You can follow us on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com slash binge movies. And you, it's still not too late. You're about 50 movies behind. It's not too late, depending on how bingeable you're feeling. You can still compete in this year's Binge Movies Challenge, where you get to watch 25 films, plus or minus one or two, at a time, along with us, with the season. Those people who complete the Binge Movies Challenge by the end of the year are going to receive a reward for doing so. Okay? But I have to have an actual legit number to know how many people to be able to distribute these rewards. So I want to give you free shit. I want to give you free stuff. Exclusive free stuff. It's not a t-shirt. Just put it like that. So uh, you got to follow us on Twitter. You got to follow along as we go along. You got to follow us on Letterboxd to see what's included in the Binge Movies Challenge. Go to letterboxd.com slash binge movies. Go to Twitter at binge movies. If you haven't left us a five-star review, please do so. Come on. Helps the show out. 
Do it on Apple Podcasts. Do it on Spotify. You know I love you. You know I appreciate you. You mean the world to me. Let's all gather together in solidarity and pray. We never, ever, ever have to sit through another Jurassic Park anything. I know that's not going to be the case. They probably already announced they're doing 15 million TV shows on Peacock or Netflix or whatever, but I'm done. It's over. Good night. Put the lights out on your way out. We've said everything we have to say. We said it all, folks. And we didn't say much. So, until next time, binge on. It's the Jurassic Park Command Compound. With an electronic computer that says over a hundred commands. We need more firepower. The computer helps you control Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park Electronic Talking Command Compound. Figures and dinosaurs sold separately. Batteries not included.